Today's episode of Daily DVR dives into Veronica Mars is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, the whole shebang, baby. DVR20, use it. You need a belt. You need cufflinks. You need ties. You need like a pocket square. Come on, look good. Elevate your style when you walk out the door in the morning. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. They have everything you need, and they got a great blog over there too that'll help you if you have an event coming up. So go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Veronica Mars. My name is Axel, my co-host is Ken, and you can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. You can also send us your feedback at DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Today we're going to be talking about Veronica Mars, Season 4, Episode 1. We're here. We did it all. The movie, three seasons, Ken. We did it all. We're here for episode one of season four. We're going to be covering every single episode, and we love it so much. We were going to kind of bunch them up, but I think we're going to do it one at a time. So this is just going to be episode one. We're going to try not to spoil anything past episode one, but we will talk about overall themes and stuff like that, but we're not going to spoil anything uh, for you. So if you're listening along, uh, you know, months after it was released, or if you're just listening as it came out, it'll kind of be fun for you to travel along on this journey with us. And we're really only going to watch two episodes at a time. So there's no way we can spoil you on uh, big events that are happening. So let's just get to it. Ken, how you doing? So excited. Like I, it's like Christmas morning for me. Like <laughs> I never thought this day would come where we'd actually get I mean, I was excited when they announced that they were doing the movie, but I never, ever thought that we were going to get like another, like a continuation of the television show and get a season four. And now it's here. Like, and, and you and I are like knee deep in Neptune and Veronica Mars and Keith Mars and all the characters because we've watched like 66 episodes of television (laughs) or something like that like 60 episodes of television which you know because this harkens back to the day when television shows did long seasons um not like the 10 13 episodes that have become commonplace now so i'm excited i'm raring to talk about the new season it's so great to be here thank thank you all for you know, downloading, liking, commenting, reviewing—it's—it's—it's—it's going to be a blast. Yes, I feel the same way, and um, you know, I'll just kind of launch into it. Just our kind of overall, my overall, and I love obviously. Let's hear yours too. Just impressions of kind of how it is now. It's on Hulu. You know where we picked up. It's what we've noticed, and right off the bat, I mean. I was like three minutes into this and I nearly had tears in my eyes. And the reason I did is because it's like, this is finally to me, this is Veronica Mars. Not that I didn't love every season and the movie. And I started reading one of the books too, but this is like, they've got a budget. They don't have interference from a network Rob Thomas has been writing TV and these actors have been acting for years. You know, this is like the best it's ever been for me. Production to 
to writing to everything. It looks fantastic. I was just literally blown away. Like I, I, I started watching it and my wife was in the other room and I started kind of like laughing and I was like, wow. And she's like, what are you doing out there? And I'm like, honey, this is it. This is finally Veronica Mars. Like, this is like unbridled, unrestrained awesomeness. I was so excited, Ken. Did you feel the same way? You know, from that opening uh, dolly shot across the water, uh, going like zooming into the pier and, you know, the coastline of Neptune. From that shot, which is like, I think the first shot. Like once it comes on from and then and then the narration starts and um, from that from those opening moments I'm I'm completely with you like yeah. I agree with everything that you just said the production values are markedly improved uh, you get that great indie music soundtrack once again you get the narration um, and you get to see these actors who are still like they're like at the top of their game because as you just said they've been working together they probably all have shorthand with Rob Thomas at this point um and so uh i felt i felt giddy i mean there's no other word for how i felt yeah. um and once like once the narr- once the um the uh her narration started i realized that she was narrating from far in the future yeah looking looking back on these events and i'm like this is brand spanking new yes she had narrated about past events in other seasons but never from like a future point of view looking back on this like quote unquote yeah. present day and so i'm like right off the bat it, it felt like it it felt like the old show. It felt like the old concept, but it felt like the best version of the story that Rob has been trying to tell. I yep, that's exact. Yep, that's. I can't say it any better. Again, like you said it's amazing. Everything about it, and, and you're absolutely right that it's in no way different. It is Veronica Mars, but it's like they put glasses on and everything's clearer. You know, everything shines. You don't get those rough around the edges where you can kind of tell with some of the sets that they try to make it look cool with neon lights or shadows. You know what I mean? Like they would use the same room, but move things around. They don't need to do that anymore. You know, Um, there's still some stuff, you know. Every once in a while, you're looking at a hotel room. You can tell it's like a bit of a painting or something, you know. But I don't mind that because that's the kind – it's like it's always had that a little bit of throwback-ish, film noir-ish set studio feel to it that it's used to its advantage – to give us visual cues that we have to those old films in that different style. And they do it here too. Just like in the first episode, there's a part where Keith says, I want to tell you a secret or something. Like he just whispers to her and the camera on a dolly kind of dollies towards him. And then it stops and he cut and then it cuts to him while he whispers. And even a little thing like that takes a lot of time to shoot and block and light. And they have the money to do that. You were well, talking. Oh, go ahead. I'm glad you that you mentioned that because that reminds me that 
I also felt like these were more, these first two episodes were more ambitiously directed than maybe a lot of the stuff from the first three seasons, with the exception of a few standout episodes, maybe season finales, penultimate episodes. Um, But there are some set pieces, both in the first episode and in the second episode, that are just brilliantly paced and directed. Yes. Um, And the camera just does stunning work, like going from character to character. Like I'm, we're going to talk about it in this first episode, but I'll just say there's a, there's a set piece that takes place in the, in, in the hotel office over the course of like 10 or 15 minutes. It's a really long sequence and it's just brilliantly directed. Yes, I totally agree. And in the beginning you had said, um, not to correct, but you had said the dolly shot, that's a drone. So, and they use it too. Like when Veronica pulls up to a house there, the drone comes down and we see so many of these drones being used now. And it, it just ups the production value. It's amazing. Everything looks great. And they're able to still have exactly what you said, which is a unifying plot idea and narrative tool, which is this voiceover from the future. And that harkened back to me to season one, right? When we're instantly given a framework of a past and a future. And here now we start in the future, right? That's first shot and her voiceover. And then we're brought back into the past. So my, I now right off the bat, I'm feeling as though I'm in a season, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it gives you that feeling that you're in a complete, like a novel, a story. Unlike we talked a lot about season three, which was very hodgepodge. They did pods of episodes and there didn't seem to be the same growth. This is a streamer now, right? Like we're yeah. getting a fully serialized story. They have faith in everything. It's so fun. Um, I just had so much fun watching these two episodes and uh, do you want to just kind of like start off with the first episode and get into Let's it? Let's do it. It's All called right. Spring. It's called Spring Break Forever, um, and it's episode one of season four of, of Veronica Mars. Spring Break because in the background and often in lots of um, outdoor shots for this episode and in the second episode, there's lots of things going on in the background or in the sometimes in the forefront involving spring break. And Veronica Mars has voiceover work kind of explaining that it's a month-long bacchanalia that Neptune celebrates yeah. to bring in tourists, obviously, um, and to let the rich people who live there, you know, kind of show off. So um, there's... and. This brings up another point. I don't remember there ever being this much outdoor footage no. on a Veronica Mars episode. Like there's there's one sequence where she comes out of her, the place where she lives and walks out onto the beach towards the water through what seems like hundreds of people celebrating on the beach. Um, and then there's lots of other outdoor stuff. But but right away they sort of establish that this is like aesthetically it's a slightly different Veronica Mars. Yeah. And that costs money. That takes time. 
there's a there's like four or five when they you just get such a better feel of the whole world of Neptune right off the bat. Like we talked about in the movie, how they kept on everything kind of happened under that underpass. (laughs) Like they had that one place they could use. They had a limited budget and it looked like Neptune dirtier, you know, the seedy side. Now we're getting like a full view of this world with all these big crowd shots and people and life and cars. It's a, I really loved it. And it starts right off, uh, as you described. But one thing I did want to mention that we didn't mention is what did you think of the new theme song and opening credits? I loved it. It's like, um, it's one of the many examples of how I feel like Rob Thomas is leaning even more into the noirish quality of Veronica Mars without being cute about it. Like sometimes he was forced to do when he was on network. Um, this is like, the the opening sequence was dark and and kind of moody um and the cover by Chrissy Hine is those things as well it's kind of moody sultry um bluesy yeah. um i i dug it i i liked it i and i like that they sort of there's only three actors in the title sequence it's uh the actor who plays Keith Mars Kristen Bell and um and Jason Doring, who plays Logan Eccles. And so it's only the three of them in the title sequence. Um, but there's lots of imagery, dark, shadowy imagery, um, in addition to showcasing those three actors. So I liked it. How about you? Yeah, I dug it too. I thought it was cool. I thought it gave a good vibe. Um, the kind of it, it it for me it it lost a little of the reason why I like the original song is because it has it's that saccharine pop feel, but then the lyrics are kind of sarcastic and a little bit arrogant, maybe even yeah. when you kind of think about it, you know, and they're but also maybe angry. Um, but this is different too, and it reflects the Veronica that we find, yeah, in our story. Yeah, because she's not in high school or college anymore. Yeah. She's a she's a thirty something year old woman. Yep. And uh so let's talk about that. Um that we start right out uh and kinda you mentioned the three main characters and really for this episode here, we really only the only other kind of person we, we see some other characters, we're missing some. We don't see Mac, right? Yeah. We don't see Weevil. Right. Um we don't see Dick. We don't see... There's a lot of characters. So they don't spend the first episode doing like the movie, where every scene is an introduction of an old character. They get right into the story. We find that Veronica is working as a detective. They're they're uh, hardly working and working hard, yeah. constantly <laughs> trying to pay the rent. Yeah. Um, and I will mention that I read... I started reading the first book, uh, which also takes place during a spring break mystery. There's two books that were written and it picks up right after the movie and it deals with Keith being injured still. Right. And yeah. that, and it explains the move of their detective office too. 
Because that's something that I don't know if we mentioned that in the movie that they mentioned it in the first couple pages of the book that they basically got run out of the first place that was like above a video store originally. <laughs> it was like <laughs> now they're in more of an industrial area. That's right. And yeah. That's right. So they explained that too. And that was about money that they couldn't afford that other office. Um, so we see that Keith is still suffering from that car accident. Veronica's a detective and Logan is overseas and he returns very quickly in this episode. But those really are our central characters here. Yeah. And um, they in, they do a great job introducing either new characters or showing us supporting characters. Um, we'll talk in a few minutes about because we see Wallace shows up um, and then a bunch of new characters are introduced kind of economically and um and just very thoroughly and well cast because that's the thing about like casting um i feel like has become more spotlighted especially pre like post game of thrones but casting is so important you if you can get the right actor in the right role then you don't even need a lot of dialogue a good actor can tell an audience who that character is with very little dialogue and just a few minutes of screen time. Yeah, definitely. And that's man, that is what this show that also jumped out at me. Every single character, as soon as you meet them, they could do a spinoff. Yeah. You know, even the smallest character, they do so great in the casting. And it's also that you can tell on the set, they let these, they say, just like inhabit this character, you know, they're not just trying to fill a role real quick. It's really awesome. Um, the opening sequence is like, uh, it's so gumshoe noirish because she's doing a, a, you know, a tawdry case for a woman um, who is who, who is in the middle of a divorce, um, and she's fighting with her soon-to-be ex-husband. Typical um, Neptune wife, right? Right. She's like complaining that he only offered her ninety thousand a month <laughs> for alimony, oh, and she's man. like, um, "No." Um, and Veronica kind of rolls her eyes because she's like, "I would kill to be making ninety thousand dollars a month." Um, so once again, you you get the tawdriness of like the day to day detective work that her and Keith are being forced to do just to pay their bills. But you at the same time you're reintroduced to this concept that there's haves and have nots in Neptune, and that the divide between them has never been wider. Yes, definitely, and that is so uh, the return to that, the return to the racial stuff, the class stuff. Yeah. It is so welcome. Um, the show does it so well, and Veronica yeah, does it so well. It's not cute or preachy yeah, about it. It's just like, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. You decide who you think are douchebags and who – or like maybe everyone's a douchebag sort of, but <laughs> but but here's what's going on. Yep. Um, we quickly – go to maybe my the the first sequence that I loved love love loved um <laughs> where Veronica comes home realizes that the dog has already been let out and then that can only mean that Logan is home and she goes out to the beach he comes out of the water kind of like Halle Berry wow, in a Bond movie yeah. 
like in a very tiny, you know, speedo bikini, looking great, looking like he never ever leaves the gym. Oh my god! Um, I was. I have to say that now I had heard a little bit on the interwebs and such about Swole Logan. They're calling him. Yeah, and um, he he has the biggest shoulders, man. He is so he's just naturally like the shoulders and the upper chest are huge. But I remember in the movie they had him fighting, of course, but they didn't have as much of the shirt off. He he didn't seem yeah. to be working out as much as in the show. That was remember in the show that was a thing that Veronica kept on making fun of him. Yeah. Right? Like you're working out five times a day, rich boy. That's all you do, right? Yeah. And now he's back and he, and man, he came out of the, uh, that was another thing. My wife, I was like, Whoa. And she was like, what? I was like, man, Logan is jacked. He was looking yeah. good. I may or may not have paused that and, and freeze frame that sequence, <laughs> um, for my own personal reasons. There you go. Um, but, um, but then that quickly goes to, um, because of course they 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 meet cute on the beach, of course, um, and then they quickly go to this rather risque sex scene. At least compared to what we used Definitely. to get on the on the old television show, okay. um, it felt raw and passionate and adult. And I'm going to be probably saying that word a lot talking about these episodes because not only um, are there a lot of familiar things about the old show, but in lots of ways, there are new kind of wrinkles. And one of the wrinkles is how adult this show feels and and, and mature in every sense of those words. Um, So not only does it mean having a more authentic sex scene between two people who love each other, but it also means like it has a, the show has a more sober tone to it. Um, it's less cutesy and funny and wisecracky and quippy, and it's more and it's more um, thoughtful, I guess. Just kind of generally speaking. Oh, sorry oh. about that. You all right? I'm fine. I just knocked over. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> I knocked over my microphone. Oh my gosh! Um, uh, but yeah, you're definitely right. This sex scene caught me off guard, um, yeah. only because of its realness, not because. Again, they had now have the opportunity to fulfill what they had to hint towards in it's almost as if they lived like in the in the code era of Hollywood, you know what I yeah. mean, when they were on TV and they had to kind of like they got away with a lot, but a lot of stuff they just kind of had to hint towards, now they can show it. And I was quite surprised too because like Kristen Bell takes her shirt off and like, you're almost seeing some boobies. Yeah. Like and, side boob a little. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, this is okay. Like this is real. And I really liked it. And you're not, you want to know something. The rawness here really brought me in touch with Veronica and Logan's relationship. Being able to see an extended lovemaking scene like that, that was pretty ferocious, made me kind of harken back. And again, so much of the stuff that was hinted, their passion, right? How that's a real basis of their relationship. And sometimes Veronica does question like, you know, is it really about the sex or is it about our love? You know what I mean? Um, 
it, or is it about both a little? Yeah, yeah. and what's wrong with that? Yeah, and, sure. And I kind of – I could see that now instead of hearing about it. And a picture's worth a thousand words, and man, this scene was great. And, uh, and, then, and then it just sort of beautifully transitions from that kind of raw, yep. intimate sex scene to this really kind of, in some ways, unsentimental proposal scene, which is great because it's not – it's kind of cute, but it's indirectly cute the way that – because Logan knew. Logan, he knows Veronica so well that he knew at some point she was going to go through his back. Yeah. Um, and so there's this great scene post-sex where she's going through his bag um, and he's in another room and they're talking and and he ends up proposing marriage to her in like the cutest – but at the same time, sort of unsentimental way possible. It was great. I thought it was so beautiful and so real. Yeah. And I, you know, that's how I, I kind of proposed the same way to my wife. We were just, we didn't have this ferocious sex before. Um, sorry if you're listening, honey. Um, but, uh, we, cause we were just hanging out, like, you know, we're right. watching TV and I, and then like, I actually had to put the ring in a sock that the dog would like, we'd always run after the dog and she ran after the dog and there, the ring was in the sock. Um, oh. it's kind of cute, right? Yeah. Uh, but we were just at home. So yeah. I kind of liked it. It was real. And I like this Logan, man, what the hell is happening to me? Like you I know, I thought of you. You were distracting. The thought of you was distracting <laughs> me while I was watching the episodes because, and I'm not joking. The one thing I was thinking is, and I said this out loud to the person I was watching it with. I'm like, Axel is is falling in love with Logan. Right now. <laughs> yeah. he, he he loves him now. You were right. You were right because he's been through it, man. And now I see the journey more yeah. and I really have to credit the actor. Yeah. And, um, you know, even the way that Veronica quickly escapes from the engage, you know, from the proposal yeah, and run, and she's like, Nope, you know, and just kind of is like, I gotta go. I gotta go meet somebody. And he doesn't, you know, start crying or punching the wall or any of that yeah. kind of stuff. he, knew that he kind of expected something along these lines. Like you said, he should have known. And it was just really amazing to me. And it's really shows character growth and I'm, that I'm really seeing for Logan. I can't say anything more about this sequence. Um, so then we, of course, transition to something that we've already referenced a few times, which is kind of the have, have not, uh, divide that's not only in this fictional town but seems very pertinent to conversations that we all are sort of having in this day and age um there's this uh, city council meeting which is where veronica escapes to after turning logan down um for his marriage proposal and it's it's being it's about dick casablanca senior and this group that he represents called nuts <laughs> um, who are trying to beautify and protect the beauty of Neptune from basically poor people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a whole, you know, gentrification. Gen yes. It, yeah. It actually, yeah. It's like state sponsored gentrification there. Right. Yes. Where, yes. Neptune United for a tidy town. Um, <laughs> 
and they un, and they unironically identify as nuts. And then there's that one guy who whispers to Veronica, and he and he goes, "No nuts." Or he goes down, <laughs> down with the nuts or something, and she just looks at him. This this whole this whole meeting too is great because again they have the budget to have like a nice big room and yeah. fill it with not just extras but a bunch of characters who are actors, right? Who yeah. are showing emotion on their face. Well, um, yeah, it's great. They- they they end up showing us for the first time a number of characters that we're going to see later on. They show the uh, – that's our first glimpse of the motel owner. His um, – he's there. Um, the um, the African-American woman who owns a nightclub, that's our first glimpse of her. Um, her name is um, Nicole Malloy. She's a bar owner, club owner, because um, she gets up to testify – for the poor people, I guess, for lack of a better description of her. But her position is anti-nut. Yeah, she's anti-nut. <laughs> she's anti-nut. Yeah, I guess it would um, be like the townies versus like the poshes or so, right? Like, right, right, right. It's like downtown versus uptown. Yeah, because she's not particularly – she's working class, right? Like she's out there every day actually and we see a scene where she's at the bar really working at being a bartender, you know? So, yeah, she's not just the owner. Yes, she's like an active exactly. participant in her business. And kind of represents a growing – like a middle class that's being shut down by the upper class, right? Like they won't let her get to that level even though she is working hard, doing her best – and she's also basically supporting them by they all live off all this money all year round, you know, and that's what makes the town. Well, and and the thing that makes this show so great is it's not stereotypical. It's complicated. She may be on that side of the argument, but she's also British. She's also obviously intelligent. Um, she's a hard worker. She's successful. We get to see her club and there are lots of people in it. Um, so she, she runs a well patronized business. Um, so she's not like a welfare queen. You know what I mean? Like she, she doesn't fit a a stereotypical image of, of who might be, who might be arguing against, um, a, a, an organization like Dick Casablanca Sr. is representing. Um, I love they she, brought him back. Man. As soon as he was up there, I was. I said to myself, "No, not this Dick." And I was like, <laughs> "It was, man. He just." And it's always an angle with it. He's an interesting character, isn't he? They really have done some, you know. Veronica Mars a lot, like people said, like for the movie fan service and for these shows, yeah. but that's what I loved about uh, this fourth season. It That wasn't fan servicey. That is his character. You know, yeah. you had yeah. a great character there. Why do you need to invent a new one? You can, He's part of the fabric of Neptune. And I right. love that he's brought back for this role because right away, he's the same guy he always was. Yeah, he's a wheeler and a dealer. He's a, um, he's a, a con artist, basically, uh, posing as a real estate magnet. Uh, sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, he, so, and, and he's, you know, he, he, he likes to pay, play, pay lip service. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer for sure. He's not, but, um, but, you know, this is the role that he's played. 
in Neptune since the beginning of the story. Um, we get some great organic backstory on like the fact that he served time in prison and now he's out of prison. Um, and now he's trying to like move on with his life, move on with his career. Um, so there's some really tidy writing here too, kind of catching us up on what's been going on with Dick senior um, since we last saw him. Yeah, and they do a great job of that exposition throughout this episode yeah. because, you know, there is a lot to pick up from. As we talked about, there were these books and everything, but you don't need, you don't, you wouldn't have had to read the books. And I think that having seen the movie would be very important at this point, right? Like, I think you should see the movie. At, yeah, your, right. at this point, yeah. a lot ha- has happened, but yeah. it's not like they do these huge info dumps. They they always do a great job of writing it in where someone just says a line like they're making. Fu- oh, yeah, he's really reformed or, you know, that time in the prison. Did you great? And yeah. oh, OK, we remember now what he did. So I love the way they did that with meeting the new characters. I love the way that Veronica takes notice of the bar owner to her dad, right? Yeah, She says something to him. um, And that whole scene is fantastic. Taking a little break from our Veronica Mars discussion to remind you to go to our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com, baby. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20. Get 20% off your order, no minimum. That's right, baby. It's all there for the taken. If you like NCAA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Marvel, DC, they've got everything. Hey, man, they got new stuff for the Aladdin movie. It's amazing stuff. Check it out. Cufflinks.com has everything along with those classic styles that just look good. They don't, they're not all genre stuff. They've got the classic stuff too. So go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20 today. One scene that we got before there um, that we hadn't mentioned is when Keith is at the, shop, at the uh, grocery store and he is working a case where he is, re- again, it's kind of, It's actually, for me, tied into this nuts coalition, which is someone or somehow rats are being let out in this local grocery store, which is the only place where the, the poor people can afford to buy groceries, threatening it getting shut down. Why? Of course, because one of these big guys like Dick wants to come in and buy it and turn it into a Whole Foods or whatever, right? So they can charge more money. So in the same way, um, we have Keith doing that, but it also plays into his problems we see in this episode with he's still walking with a cane. He's having problems with his memory. And man, what an acting job here because people who do have problems with their memory or whether it's dementia, old age, Alzheimer's or traumatic brain injury, Um, I've been around that a little bit and I know that you can be fine and then not fine. Yeah. You know, and there's great acting here where he'll be, he'll be spot on and then he'll just kind of drift. Yeah. And you can see it and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It is because it's so subtle and it feels so realistic. Yeah. And we've already invested those of us who are Veronica Mars fans. He's one of the characters and he's part of a relationship that we're really invested in. 
And so in a way I feel like, I feel like his child who's like seeing a parent sort of decline. Yeah. Um, and so I feel, I feel bad for him and I, and it breaks my heart, but also it's like, he's, he's trying to carry on with his life. He's not telling his daughter the whole truth because he wants to protect her. So he's still, it's still complicated, right? I mean, he's still Keith. Like he's still trying to be the person he's always been this strong guy who, who loves his daughter, wants to protect her. And in this case, um, he's not telling he's there's no full disclosure about his health concerns. He's not sharing that with her. Um, I'm not quite sure what his end game is yet. I'm sure we'll find out as the episodes progress, but as of right now, he has decided the, uh, to don't ask, don't tell. He's not telling Veronica the full extent of what he's going through. Yeah, he's he's definitely not. And it's so hard to watch. And then when you think about the cause of it, which was that car accident, right? Yeah. That yeah. killed the deputy who he had been working with. Yeah. Um, and severely injured him. And that had that was also involved uh, with what was going on with the sheriff's department. And it's just, it's like Keith, this character, we've seen him just continually freaking beat down by this town, not only emotionally, but physically in a raw way, you know, and it's, and he just keeps on going and it does serve as a, like a subtle reminder, his injury is not just about the character in him, but the, re- the the subtle reminder of what he and Veronica have been through and the kind of darker uh, tone that we're getting here, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like she's a little high school girl and maybe things will turn out better in my senior year. No, we're 15 years down the line. And guess what? Neptune sucks. <laughs> and it'll it it'll it'll eat you up and spit you out and it has not been kind to keith and veronica and even though there's mention in this episode too of um you know there was like a vogue article written about veronica yeah right um yes. they they're not rich right because no, we had no. mentioned um from the movie that and and from the third season that you know their exploits had gotten past Neptune, you know, and like kind of at times they had been almost like popular, like on a national level. And then this is referenced, but still they are struggling to keep it going. And Keith is struggling physically to, to, to get by. And one of the things that the book hints uh, to, and that this first episode where there is still a distance between Keith and Veronica. And what we never saw what happened after season three leading into the movie about it's mentioned a little bit here in this episode about him erasing the files and we get into it a little bit more, but um, it's that, that cloud continues not only to the way they talk about Logan and Veronica's relationship, which is very surfacey. Yeah. You know, she says, Oh, he tried to, you know, he says, he asked me to marry him. And then Keith just says, Oh, the nerve. Right. But it's not like, 
you don't ever get the sense that Keith is 100% behind this relationship and that he's embracing Logan as a potential future yeah. son-in-law. I mean, he's not welcoming him into, weird. The, into the Mars family with open arms. You never get that sense. It's more like he's politely tolerating this relationship <laughs> that Veronica is in and has been in since the movie, which was five or six years ago. Yeah. In this timeline. So presumably Veronica and Logan have been together for five or six years at this point, uh, maybe living together most of that time. Uh-huh. Um, and still Keith is like, you're right. Surfacy is, is a good word. He's very, he's not like d- openly down on it, but by the same token, he's not like, woohoo. Yeah. You know, and that's not, not a. Yeah, that's not a real conversation, Ken, right? Like, if you like, you know, I can only imagine the time when my son says, you know, I propose to someone, if my response is like, good for you, that's kind of like a sucky dad. And Keith is not a sucky dad. So they're always there for each other. But there does seem to be an emotional block here. And it's something we see in the first episode from Veronica, too, right? Which is refusing the proposal kind of her relationship with Keith. There's also a frustration, I think, in Keith that she's still stuck in Neptune instead of in New York, living a different life, like wealthier, taken care of, safer. Well, I also wonder, like, because the next thing is Logan and Veronica kind of take a silent time out about the fallout of the marriage proposal and her saying no to it. And they go to dinner at Wallace's house. So we get to see Wallace. And I like, I want to talk about that. But one of the things I want to say about that is I wonder too, like, is Veronica, like she seemed uncomfortable at that dinner. Part of it was that she had said no to Logan's marriage proposal. Part of it was that she was distracted by, um, uh, 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 she was distracted by the cases she was working on. But really, I also wonder, like, Wallace is married. He has a little kid. He lives in a nice house. Yep. He's living a very different life than Veronica. I wonder if that has created a wall that she's put around herself. I definitely think so. Even the way that they hug each other, like they don't see each other that often. Right. You know, and they're kind yeah. of catching up. And right. it's interesting because... It's almost as if, Ken, she never really got – she's been there for five years, but it's almost still like she just got there, like the movie. And that really speaks to the character of Veronica and how we've seen her grow over the series and the movie into this new season. And we understand there was a a part of the book that I I texted to you, and it was about – Veronica talking about how learning that life sucks and life is hard. And she really has a very nihilistic approach to life and we can't deny that. And no, right. Yeah. I mean, that speaks to like some of the most compelling human beings and fictional characters are people who are in on one hand capable and evolving and interesting, but simultaneously, on the other hand, are stunted and frozen yeah. in other ways. Yep, that's and, great. Ver- and, and Veronica is a great example of this. I mean, she's the girl you want 
on your side. She, you want her to have your back. You want her to help get you out of trouble. Um, she's a capable, intelligent, brilliant. Um, but at the same time, this episode, this first episode highlights how in many other ways she's emotionally stunted. She's stuck in neutral. Um, and she, there's certain things she can't get over. She yep. can't get past. And that speaks to a real deficiency in her character. Definitely. Um, and it makes and it that's so not, interesting. And that's what makes it interesting because she's not just this brilliant, like not everything is going great for Veronica. No. Uh, not everything's going her way. So it's great to have a character who has flaws and who has visible flaws. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. And she is it's it's interesting too because in in a lot of ways she's become like this kind of streaming peak TV anti-hero. Yeah. Um but we have the background to how she got there. We saw it, right? We watched her from high school. Right. So it just has so much more oomph to me and believability. Uh, and the scene with Wallace and his wife and his kid is great. And you see the way Logan is playing with the kid. And it really is in many ways, Logan seems to be ready to move past uh, their their past and the insanity of it. And he just wants to have a nice life and love and, and just live peacefully. But that's not really what Veronica Mars is about, Logan. You know, yeah, and that's, that's not, I mean, like, that's not what she wants. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... So that's creating tension both with her, maybe in all of her relationships, that's causing tension. Uh, what people want for her versus what she wants for herself. Yes, definitely. Now, we have two scenes that go together and one is earlier in the episode and one is later. But the first scene we get with the Spring Breakers is actually inside the bar. Yes. Right, that we've yes. been talking about with the bar owner that we've met. Uh, what's her name again, Ken? So I can ne remember. It's Nicole Malloy. Okay, Nicole. So yeah. Nicole is in the bar. Kids are drinking. One girl is passed out. A, a, a you know a preppy white frat boyish kind of dude tries to put her put her head in his lap and take a picture. Nicole goes over there, beats him up, but we get introduced to a whole host of characters here that are going to become more, more important in the centerpiece uh, scene of this episode, which is absolutely amazing to my mind, the best sequence that Veronica Mars has ever done production wise, where, which ends with the bombing. Um, at yeah. the end of the episode, but we meet the kids first. And so we're introduced to a bunch of nerdy kids. We're introduced to kind of frat boyish uh, dudes hanging out, right? Yes. Um, we're introduced to a couple that is seems to be at odds about their uh, dating or whether or not one is good enough for the other one. We don't know the story yet. Right. Right. But right. by picking up on the little clues as we, tr as the camera kind of travels through the bar, we, we meet like 10 characters, right. right. In yes. the, in this like three to five minute scene. And then when we come back towards the end of the episode, we're reintroduced to them and we learn a, a lot more about them. Why don't you talk a little bit about those two scenes and these characters and what you felt? Because there were so many of them. 
Well, I feel like the bar scene was really just kind of a a, 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 a further showcase for the character of Nicole and kind of a glimpse of like the, the social kaleidoscope that's happening with spring break. Um, because we don't know at that point that these faces are going to be important. Exactly. Um, so it's really just a kind of a camera pan in a way of, 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 of these people. I think the important thing from, from the bar sequence is to note how Nicole is willing to put her money where her mouth is. And she's willing to do the dirty work. Like she marches right up to the frat boy. She's like, yep. you know, you're a douchebag. I mean, that's not her line, but she's basically like, you're a douchebag. She knocks him out. <laughs> and, and also she's like, find this girl's shitty friends yeah, and have them come take care of her because obviously they're not doing that. So she calls out people and she's willing to do it right to their face. It kind of reminds me of like vintage Veronica Mars from high school yes. who would like get right in people's faces and like be like, no, this is the way it is. So, so that sequence was really kind of about her. The more important sequence, both narratively and artistically is the sequence that we've alluded to, which is this very long sequence kind of in and around the hotel, the sea spray hotel, motel a lot of it takes place in the in the in the motel office but at first we are we're kind of going in and out of rooms and there's this pizza delivery guy and he's trying to find out who who ordered the pizza which takes him from room to room here's one of the many things that i loved about this sequence it was not a continuous shot sequence but it felt like a continuous it shot did. sequence yep. and that's a trick i mean that's a good trick um, because if someone had asked me later on, was that a continuous shot? I, I might have said, I'm, I might have, I would have been torn. I would have been like, was it? Because it sort of felt like a continuous yeah, shot. You're absolutely right. They did a great job of mixing in some tighter handheld stuff when people are talking to yeah. going back to there's a little drone stuff mixed in there too when they're hovering over. Um, the kind of outside walkway between the rooms, um, they mix it, but they give you, this must have taken like a week to shoot. I wouldn't be surprised because there's a lot in this and there's a lot of moving pieces where the camera goes from one person and then kind of dips out around a room. And then Patton Oswald, who's playing the pizza delivery guy, yeah. love to see him and I may be mistaken, but what didn't he play a different character in season two? I think Pat um, Oswald was in the show before, wasn't he? Or am I wrong? I believe you're wrong, but I okay. don't know. I'm not 100%. I just thought of this as we were talking, so I didn't look it up. I apologize, people. Uh, but I'll look that up. But I thought he was maybe in the back in a oh, quick scene, but he's fantastic. He is. And he's sort of. Our, our POV. Yes. Like, it, it's like we're meeting the college crowd, which includes frat boys and sorority girls. And we get kind of zero in on a few of them. And then, so we're introduced to them through Penn Epner. That's the name of the Patton Oswald character. And then we're also introduced to a bunch of nerdy kids who are like playing D and D, but there's one. <laughs> the like stranger things Brent. kids. <laughs> right. But there's this one Hispanic kid it, within the nerd group 
who is trying to study. He's like at spring break and he's, but he's not playing D and D he wants to study and the Wi-Fi is down, which becomes kind of a pivotal plot point. Um, And so, so he's complaining that he can't get online to study. Um, And we're also introduced to the owner of the motel. He's a single father who seems to have partial custody of his teenage daughter we're introduced to the daughter. It's like their time together, or maybe it's not their time. It's technically her time with the mom, but it seems like she prefers being with the dad. Yes, exactly. And they have they have kind of a reminiscent like Keith Veronica relationship. That's exactly what I thought. Kat. Yep, they sure do. Where she's like hanging out with the dad, and yeah. she's trying. To, she chimes in when the when the when we meet the senator's brother yes. and his girlfriend and they're trying yes. to use their influence to get back money for, because they're leaving to go in the, to the grand hotel right yes. uh yeah. to the neptune grand yeah. and she chimes in well maybe it's this and he has to kind of push her aside just like Keith would sometimes remind Veronica to do her homework yeah right it's and and it's very reminiscent of that i love that so and, all of these characters, for very organic reasons, end up in exactly. the in yep. the office. Yep. A, a few of the frat boys, like at least one of the frat boys, at least one of the sorority girls, um, the hotel owner and his daughter are obviously there. The um, Arab American brother of um, of a congressman, congressman there yes. with his girlfriend, maybe fiance, but at least a girlfriend, love interest. Um, and then the nerdy Hispanic dude comes in to, to ask about the Wi-Fi. And also Patton Oswalt is in there because one of the pizzas he has to deliver is to the is to the daughter. Yep. Anchovies. Um, anchovies. <laughs> so so all of these people are in the office and it's all organic and I'm compelled, but I don't know why I'm compelled. Right. And because it's so artfully directed and acted. And then the frat boy, the main frat boy who who earlier got punched by Nicole Malloy, he's messing with the vending machine trying to get something. And I don't know about you, but that said to me that the bomb was in there. Yes. He's, That's my theory. I mean, no one has said that, but I think the bomb was in that vending machine. Yeah, yes. He starts pushing it back and forth. Yeah. Um, Patton Oswald says goodbye and heads outside. Right. We get a we get a shot where he's walking out. The hotel the uh the it's called the C Sprite, right? The C Sprite right. owner goes towards the guy rocking the thing, and then we go outside and it blows up. And, and he he has just sent his daughter out of the office. Yes. She went to the car to go get a book to study. So she's also out in the parking lot. In fact, she waves to Patton Oswalt's character. That's right. We see her POV of it explode. Right. right. And the debris coming down on her window. And yes. it, that's a fantastic that we're there with her because, of course, it's her father. Who's in and there. we're and we're already oddly invested in this relationship, yeah. even though they've only been on screen for like ten minutes. Yeah, um, yeah, she's great. He's and he is a great character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um. Actually, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think he was in Veronica Mars, and maybe it was season one. But this guy's been in everything. 
Um, he is great. Yeah, he and he's believe again another great casting where right away he's believable, and we knew now from the beginning of the episode we knew that there was an explosion. Yes, right because that's what we see. That's where we start. Right, but when we come back, when it happens. It they do it's so organic because of the way they mirror the bar scene and they mirror the other like the scene where Veronica's trying to find Logan at the beach. They yeah. have all these crowd scenes that they are able it wasn't until he started rocking that machine that I said to myself, A bomb's gonna go off. Like I finally kind of realized what was happening here. And did, now, did that occur to you that we were seeing what we had seen in the beginning? No, and I'm I'm never like I'm so in the moment when I'm watching something yeah, that good. it's hard it's hard for me to be like oh this is what's going to happen or or like <laughs> so I had at that point I had forgotten like like. 30, 40 minutes before like how the episode started. Yeah, I was I was so. Waiting. So I was so in the moment that I forgot. And so then when it happened, it truly shocked me that it happened. And then my my mind quickly went to who was the intended victim. Yes. Was yeah. was it was it one of the people in the hotel office? And there were so many people in there, so many storylines that we got introduced to that it, in a way it felt like the school bus thing. Um that like yeah. because because part of the school bus mystery from season two is who was the intended victim. Yeah. There were there were seven people on the bus. The party um, too. If you think about the party, who, right, right. Who was doing what to whom and why? Were yeah. there's so many questions? It was just masterful setting up. I mean, when this happened, and the end of the episode's not even over. I thought that was going to end the episode. You know, yeah. but we get to see. We get uh, to see like the aftermath of it. Um, and for me, this whole sequence leading up throughout the whole episode, introducing us back to our characters, we see Veronica and Keith working small cases. We're wondering what's the big case, but we saw this thing in the beginning in this and her voiceover talking about a bomb. So at some point I thought there was going to be a bomb, you know, something was going to go, something was going to happen. But I first thought it was going to be at that bar and then it didn't sneak up on me until he shook the vending machine. But by that time, it still surprised me right? because it happened yeah. so quickly that I thought the vending machine too. I thought the vending machine exploded, but that might be again, as we've talked about throughout, they love red herrings and yeah. that classic noir kind of leading you down a, a, a trail that really doesn't lead anywhere. Um, but we get another great shot, which I believe is unbroken, where we are introduced after this crazy bomb and all this kind of stuff. We're introduced to our old friend, yeah, who is uh, 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 the lawyer guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, of course. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff McCormick. McCormick. Sorry. Yeah. Cliff is walking through, and this is, again, a fantastic shot, which doesn't just take us through like a hallway that's made to look like a hospital, which was so much of 
Veronica Mars before, but like we see, we get the feeling for the whole, he goes past these kids and he goes past these other, and he's talking to people and going through. And finally he gives the chocolates to the nurse, right? Right. I mean, seriously, like we are so, it's so economical because you quickly get the sense that he's done this before. Yes. But it's shot so well. I'm like, wow, they already they just did a huge shot going through a, a going through the C sprite. Now they're doing it going through the hospital with a character that we love, and he looks great, and he's using his voice, and he's, you know what I mean. And he gets and he gets the nurses station uh, information chart, and he ends up at in front of the senator, and we find out that the senator, uh, well, no. The Cong is a congressman or represent it it's Congress. I'm yeah. sorry. The yeah. congressman's brother lost his hand and his girlfriend is dead. Yes. The girlfriend that apparently the family did not necessarily approve of. Right. And we heard about that in the bar when she right. was talking to her friend and, and said, You turn down, you know, and, and also in in the ho- in the motel that she turned down like twenty thousand dollars to turn down his his proposal or something from the family, right? They had tried to bribe her or something. Yes. That's, I think it was, I think it was more money, but yes, yeah. absolutely. They, they offered her a large sum of money to walk away from, uh, th- this man, this brother of a congressman, younger yep. brother of a congressman. And, um, she, she didn't do it. So that kind of speaks to her character. Uh, she obviously really loved this dude, uh, and wasn't in it just for the money. So, um, but yes, she was one of the people killed. Uh, apparently there were four people killed in the bombing, the hotel owner, the father of the young girl, uh, the, uh, the frat boy who was messing around with the vending machine, right. the, the, the girlfriend slash fiance of the brother of the congressman and then the Mexican nerd. He died. Yes, he died. So, he died as well. And one thing we did forget to mention is there's an interesting scene before the bombing where we see we meet a uh, like a cartel hitman and he's got a guy in the trunk oh, and yeah. they go through a um, a police like a checkpoint and yeah. he mentions that he works for the Desperado I think it is and he's yes. let go and that that character actor again an amazing actor. I love that dude. He's been in so much stuff before and we don't know what that's about, but then we find out later in this episode because right after the bombing, we're hit with kind of like a boom, boom. We meet the congressman and then we meet the drug, the cartel Lord who is kind of badgered by his ex-wife to figure out who killed their nephew. Yes. So we're introduced like, and it's, um, I love storytelling that doesn't spoon feed you information. Like we don't know, um, who these people are, um, necessarily, like we don't know the intricacies of who they are. Um, but we're just, it's, it's kind of like this panorama of new characters that we're being introduced Mm -hmm. to. And somehow they're all interconnected by this bombing that has just happened. Yeah. So it's great. Um, <laughs> so I love, lo- be- you know what, Ken, I loved it because you're right about how it's economical and that little hitman scene before 
if you're sitting in a writer's room, you take a chance because it's like, what are we doing? It says like Tijuana, 80 miles south of Neptune. And now we know a little bit of, it's good to know geography, Um, (laughs) right? We've always kind of known Neptune was Southern, right? Now we get a little bit, we know a little bit more. They've talked about the border before, but we didn't know what that was about, you know? And they just give us these little hints, but you can trust it because they're quick scenes. They're fun, right? Right away, the hitman is like the funniest guy in the show. Well, you it know? reminded me, I don't know if you've ever watched the television show Fargo. Yes. But, thank you. Fantastic. But it, but it reminded me of, I felt like I was watching a, a Fargo episode because the scene between the two hitmen, both in this episode and in episode two, all of the hitmen stuff reminded me of Fargo. Um, but in the best possible way, it reminded me of Fargo. And, Quirky, yep. kind of oddly funny, but also deadly serious because these guys aren't just like – these guys aren't teddy bears. They're violent criminals um, and they're working for a drug cartel. And so um, – and and that that is never never not true. But they're also like – like this guy's intelligent and and funny, and but he's also a violent criminal. It's great. Yeah. And um, both of these, you mentioned Fargo. It's, they are both coming from the same kind of source material, right? Fargo has that same detective noir quirky thing that Veronica Mars is capturing um, with the cartel hitmen. And they, I don't know, man, I just think they're amazing. Like right away, I was like, what is this? I was yeah. like, you know what? I don't care. Let's just keep on watching. <laughs> like, it's so interesting. And I and loved then, of it course, right away. And then at the same time that it's sort of a kaleidoscope, it's also linear at the same time because one of the d- d- direct results of the bombing and Cliff going to the emergency room to to look for customers uh, to that he can represent, that, that sequence directly leads the Arab-American family – uh, the congressman and his mother Amalia to Mars investigations because yep. Cliff refers them because they don't have faith in the new sheriff, um, and so we get a one of the famous office scenes where a client <laughs> is talking to Veronica and Keith about the case, and and we've seen this a million times, but it's always great because of course the mom thinks that v- Veronica is a secretary and asks her to get tea. <laughs> um, and Keith interrupts when Veronica tries to say, no, I'm a partner. I'm an investigator too. Um, so, but, but Veronica wants the money because they're rich and it could be a lucrative case. Yep. So uh, the, the Maloofs, that's their last name, Maloof. Um, they go to Mars investigation and basically hire the Mars to investigate the bombing, who was responsible because they're convinced that it might, that it's probable that the target was the brother. Yes. They are suspicious and they want to hire someone that is kind of close to the town to figure out what is going on. Because like you said, they don't really trust the sheriff. And that's the thing is it's not, the sheriff is not one of our brothers. No. And actually she's chief of police because uh, apparently Neptune has in fact become incorporated. So because of that, she's now chief of police, not sheriff. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. See, I didn't even pick up on that. 
good. Yeah. So this is something that I believe occurred in the books because when I am reading the first book, um, it's Don and Dan, right? Don was first, Don Lamb, and then Dan Lamb. That's right. Okay. So Dan is still who was in the movie, right? right. Jerry O'Connell is still the sheriff. So this must mean that whatever happened with the sheriff's department and all that went the way that people like Keith and others didn't want it to go, but the rich people did, right? Yeah. That Neptune has been able to separate itself in a way, and she is now she's, – she, she's part of a larger incorporated area. Am I that's correct right. about that or am I reading yeah. it backwards? Nope, nope. That's absolutely okay. right. Yeah. So that's interesting. So that shows that something that had been in the background, right, since season one really yeah. has yeah. happened. And also you get a really slight introduction to this new sheriff. I mean this new chief of police. I'm going to keep saying sheriff, but it's chief of police. Um, and uh, her name is Marsha Langdon. Sheriff, not, not sheriff, chief of police, Marshall Langdon. Um, and you get a really brief, there's more of her in, in episode two, but in this episode, it's just a brief introduction. Um, she doesn't seem incompetent. No, I, she seems smarter than either of the lamb boys. De- she definitely does, but she doesn't, but she's not friendly to the Mars. No. So the Mars is. So right. we, we, she doesn't appear to be as corrupt or inc- incompetent as the brothers, yeah. but yeah. she doesn't, she's not a friend. No, she's not right. She's not an ally right. of Keith and Veronica Mars. Yep. No, for so, sure. For, so all, all we kind of know in this first episode is the law is still the opposition. Correct. It's not helping us out. And, and the, then, and then of course, continuing with the linear stuff, uh, them deciding to take the case leads to the final scene, which is artfully where we began. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a night scene. They're, um, the they're at the remnants of the bombed out sea sprite. Veronica is um, and Keith are amongst the crowd that has gathered while police are still doing an what looks like an active investigation. Um, and while there. Veronica notices two things. She notices the pizza delivery guy. Keith kind of fills her in on the fact that he's been making the rounds with all of the news networks, doing interviews, having his 15 minutes of fame, as people are apt to do in this day and age. Um, And so Patton Oswalt is in front of a camera doing another interview. Um, And then, but she also notices the daughter, the surviving daughter of, the hotel owner. And I think she thinks the same thing that you and I thought, which is that she reminds her of herself. Yep. And, and it's a very ominous voiceover that we get here yeah. where Veronica is kind of saying, you know, I started to care about that, this girl and that's never a good thing in my line of work. That's not a good thing. And yes. it sets us up for the season and at the end of this episode, it sets us up with Veronica kind of facing her mirror, you know, 
That's yeah. what I was initially cued into because of the same thing you were talking about is the way she interacted with her dad, right? Yeah. The fact that after the bombing has happened, she's walking through the rubble looking at it. She's like investigating the girl, right? She's not, she doesn't look like she's, oh, what's going on? She looks like she's doing something. Right. She's not huddled in a corner, yeah, hugging her exactly. knees, crying. Yeah. Right. She looks like right. she's on the case. And, right. Which, uh, and Veronica and notices think, it. Exactly. Veronica notices her single mindedness and her determination. And it reminds her of her while, like, she was like determined to find out who killed her best friend, Lily Kane. Uh, and, and 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 determined to find out who raped her instead of just being like, oh, someone raped me. She was like, I'm going to find out who did it and I'm going to make them pay. Exactly. Um, yeah. And this girl did something. Well, this girl was acting in a way that Veronica recognized. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's true. Game recognizes game, baby. <laughs> Veronica's on the march. All right. Well, I mean, I was blown away by this episode. Yeah. I was so happy and it really, I don't know, it touched me uh, in a very creative way because again, at the end of this episode, I just had a big smile on my face because not only had I just watched a great hour of TV and it was fun and it was interesting and it was cool and it made me think and it made me feel, but I felt like a kinship, on a kind of a creative kinship level with Rob Thomas and this crew that like after 15 years, I feel like this is Veronica Mars. Yeah. They just are be able to create and be free. And this is what you get, which I think honestly was maybe one of the best episodes of Veronica Mars ever. It was so fully realized and it was intricate. It had the intricateness of season two, but it had the straightforwardness of season one. We have flashbacks, flash forward. I was so happy. I can't wait to get to the rest of it. I know we're going to take a little short break and we're going to dive into episode two. But what do you have for uh, what, what's your kind of thoughts of you finish this first episode? Well, um, I don't know if I can really expand more on the things that you've so artfully said about it. Um, it was a great um, introduction. It was a good first chapter. I felt like I'm reading a really great detective novel, yeah, yeah. like a really great noir novel. And it was a great, great first chapter. And one of the ways that you know a chapter is great is when you can't wait to get to chapter two. Um, <laughs> and so I definitely wanted to immediately watch the next episode Me when too. this episode was over. And so I think that's probably the best thing you can say about an episode of television is that it hooked you um, and that you want to see the next installment to find out what else is going on. And that definitely happened in this case. Um, and then all the things we've already said about, about the production values, about the maturity, about the tone um, it feels like, like you've said a few times now, it feels like Veronica Mars unfiltered. It yeah. feels like the the show Rob Thomas always want to make, wanted to make, but because of network stuff and other stuff, just always had one hand tied behind his back. So, um, in that sense, I felt completely uh, euphoric. Me too. Um, I I wasn't necessarily euphoric about the the stuff that was happening because some of it's dark and violent and complicated 
but I was euphoric about an artist having full reign and power over their art. Me too, and that, man. That, and that's great. It's amazing. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. In real life, we're going to take a little break. Uh, in podcast life, it might be a couple days between these episodes. I'm not sure how I'm dropping them yet, but I think it's good to do it this way so we can keep our heads on straight about the separate episodes. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to check us out at DVRpodcast.com. We'll be back with Season 4, Episode 2 of Veronica Mars, entitled Chino and the Man. So check your feeds. Peace out. Peace out.